well. It's a joy to be a part of the meeting, and uh, it's been refreshing to my heart. And uh, the preaching and the singing and the emphasis of the uh, of the days here, and I just thank the Lord. It's a joy to be back home, and um, I, I know what it's like. I was just uh, just rejoicing uh, with Brother Elijah and them, and and the different offerings that God has allowed to be taken up each night uh, for ministries, individuals, Brother Tooley the night before, and uh, our brother going out there to the Navajo Indians, and and I, I know what it's like. I remember uh, being on. I think we've probably been on deputation for about two or three months, never been, uh, to Bible Baptist. We just dropped in one Sunday night and um, sitting there on the front row, preacher. And I, I just never forget, we, had, we were praying. and I mean, me and Molly, we've been married for just a short time. And we were praying about uh, first mission outreach going into Central America and um, trying to go over there to that Jewish community. Really hadn't talked to hardly anybody about it. Hadn't put in a newsletter, just asking God to send in a certain amount of money. And I know how it is to be sitting on that front row. And a preacher got up and he said, listen, he said, we said, we got a Jew with us tonight. And he said, I don't really, he said, he said, I don't know anything about him. He said, but God said he'd bless us if we bless the Jew. And he said, church, and, and preacher, you sat, the, you sat the ushers down and had them put an offering plate down there. And, and dear folks begin to give. And God sent in the exact amount of money that night. To go to Dominican Republic and, and uh, God opened that door. And, and I'm glad that God is still able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. And we haven't told nobody. And, 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 and um, I talked to just maybe one or two folks and asked them to pray. And God did that work. And, uh, and I thank God for my church. I thank the Lord for Bible Baptist Church. And I believe that I'm probably among this morning some of the most giving, mission-minded, mission-hearted folks that I know personally and I thank God for that I thank the Lord for it I've had a burden every night preacher has has encouraged and I hope it's okay to say this but God's the Lord's put a burden in my heart preachers encourage us every night to go back and get these uh, faith promise commitment cards and I went and picked one up last night and just trying to pray you know about what God uh, would have us to do. I found out uh, years ago that, that missions given is for missionaries too. Amen. <laughs> and uh, and I tried I tried to tell the Lord that you know well I, you know Lord we're we're doing gospel work. I mean it's everything everything we have is missions money. And uh, and God said yeah He said but you still have a responsibility to give as well. And I tell you I can take you back to the place I was years back. And uh, sometime around 2015 I guess it was and I'd had this I set aside a little part of the of our budget and there wasn't much to that budget and I said Lord I said that's a good enough amount I don't really need to do no more than that and uh, and I can take you to the place where God said no I want you to give fifty dollars more a month about what you've above what you've uh, what you've been given these years and I said Lord I don't have fifty dollars a month to give and God said you better do it and I said well Lord I could I could take a little bit from here and maybe give a little bit less here God said no he said you better just do it by faith and uh, and I, and I'm not bragging on Samuel Fred. I'm bragging on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, friend, I was not, we as a family, I mean, we'd been struggling. And um, just there, and you know, you all know how that deputation, we got a lot of missionaries here on deputation. And um, that's, it's a faith building, it's a faith building process to be on deputation. God putting you through some of the kind of like boot camp training for the field he's called you to. And I said, Lord, I'm on deputation. I don't, I don't have the ability to give $50 more a month. And God helped us. Somehow or another, God helped us to take that step. 
and commit to giving that little. And that ain't much. I mean, that's little as much when God's in it. But, I mean, in the scheme of things, you know, I mean, today $50 won't even fill you a tank of gas. But, you know, a little bit more back then. And, but God helped us to take that small step of faith. And, but for me, it was a big step of faith. And, um, and I'm telling you, friend, for the next couple months, the equivalent of every week, we had a church take us on for $50 a month. And I walked back about six months later, and God had taken us from like 20% to support to 60 or 70%. And I, I sat down and started just doing the math. And I, I sat down with Molly, and I said, Honey, I don't understand how in the world this has happened. I said, But God, let us take a, just a little step of faith. And listen, I promise you, friend, the next mission conference we got in, I said, God, what can I give this time? How much more can I give? And Listen, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And you say, Brother Samuel, how did you and how did you make it on deputation? I tell you, I tell you how God sent in our deputation. I tell you how he did. Giving the missions. I don't know how else to tell you. And listen, there is no greater joy I've ever had in living for the Lord than getting to have a part in our church's faith promise. Missions given. And listen, I know we got folks here at Bible and they give all kind of... We got folks that may not give monthly. They give every time there's an offering. And we got folks to give and God directs their heart. And I got to looking at the card though. And, and preacher, there's not even a place to put a name on this card. I mean, I looked at it both sides. And um, it ain't about your name. And, and, it, and it's not about... Uh, it's not really even about making a commitment to the church. It's making a commitment to God. And, um, and I tell you what I found personally, sometimes, sometimes making a commitment is the difference between casual giving and committed giving. And, and it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. But when you make that commitment, sometimes when that bank account's a little bit low and you've had them unexpected expenses, you got that commitment to God. There's times that makes all the difference. Say, Lord, I sat down and I can go back to that place where I asked you, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to give? And I mean, I mean, preacher's not just asking us just to go pick a number and put it on God. Preacher's asking us to pray about it and ask God. And it's between us and God. Lord, what would you have me to give? And God may want you to just keep on giving what you've been given. God may have me to keep on. But listen, you know, we ought, we ought to have a burden to do more. And we ought to have a burden. We ought to be willing to do more. And, and there, ain't, there ain't one of us, I promise you, there ain't one of us doing enough. There ain't one of us doing enough. And, um, and so pray. Please pray. I'm praying. I'm asking God, Lord, what, what would you have me to give? And, and it's called faith. It's called faith promise because, you know, it's taking God at his word, but there's, there's faith involved in it. Amen. He did say, give and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and, and running over. And we don't give to get. We don't give uh, so that we can get. But God has promised that if you will give, he said, I, he said I'm going to give back to you. And there's some times that we don't have, we do not have the resources, but God will put a burden in our heart. And we can sit back and watch God honor that faith. God honors faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And listen, if that number, and this is hard, I'm preaching the same afraid right now, but if that number on that card isn't, I mean, if it don't take faith to write it down, then it's not pleasing God. 
That's not easy. I mean, that's a lot easier to preach than it is to practice. Yes, sir. It's a lot easier to preach. Yeah. It's hard to practice that. But if whatever I'm writing down on that card is not taking me out of my comfort zone, it ain't by faith. It may be a promise to God, but it's not a faith promise. Right. And you pray, you pray that God would help us. And I need God, I need God to help me. I tell you, it, it, it's a great joy. It's a great joy to give to missions through the church. I believe that's the way God's ordained it. Local church, missions given. Uh, God, God has commissioned the church as the pillar and ground of the truth. And, and I know there's times God put something on our hearts to do for some, or somebody individually, a ministry, a project individually. And, and, um, and you know, we, God's given us that liberty to do that. But there is nothing like putting that money into the missions treasury of the church and, and distancing and disconnecting yourself from that missions money and saying, God, I'm giving it to you through my church and it's not mine anymore. Lord, I'm not, my name is not on that check that's going to that individual. Bible Baptist church is on that. That's the church. That's how God's ordained it to be done. And I tell you, bless your heart if God help you to grasp that wonderful joy. Saying, God, it ain't me that's giving it. You're giving it through me. And you're letting, you're letting me give it through my church. Boy, I'm telling you, it's, it's a blessing. And there's, there's, ne there's never been a greater joy in serving Jesus than getting to put a missions check in the offering and say, God, God, you're letting me give back to you. Oh, hallelujah. I thank the Lord for it tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. And, Lord, I won't deserve, Lord, the opportunity, Lord, to stand here and preach, Lord, the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I do ask you, Father, Lord, that you would guide our steps. You help us, Lord, to preach. Uh, Lord, this morning, God, with your, your touch and your power, Lord, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, not to be guilty of trying to preach in the demonstration of the flesh. But God, please help me to preach in the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I don't deserve your touch. And Father, I do need it, though. Lord, I ask you, God, to cleanse me and help me to be a vessel unto your honor, sanctified, set apart, and meet for your use. I give you, Father, the glory, Lord, for what you've done. Oh, Father, the psalmist said, not unto us, O Lord, but unto thy name give glory. For thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, your mercy is everlasting and your truth endureth to all generations. Lord, will you Lord, take, Lord, these passages of Scripture. God, will you speak to our heart. And Lord, do a work only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Gospel of John chapter 4, if you'd stand real quick in reverence, uh, reading the Word of God. Um, this is obviously a, a familiar passage of Scripture. A lot of good preaching uh, has been done out of this chapter. And um, we're going to read just a couple verses. You can go ahead and be seated. We'll get to the verse here in a minute. But uh, we're just going to read a couple verses here. And uh, we'll begin reading in um, the second verse, John chapter 4, verse 3, rather. John chapter 4, verse 3. And we'll read down to about verse 14. Then you can be seated. And in verse 3, the Word of God tells us, And he left uh, Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. And he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being weary with his journey, he sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. And look at verse 8. For his disciples were gone away, 
into the city to buy meat. Now, verse 8 is in parentheses, and it's amazing in the Gospel of John how, how much of a backstory God gives you as far as the context is concerned, just looking at the parentheses in the Gospel of John. The disciples are gone. They're not there. They're gone away to buy meat. And all right, so this Samaritan, and you know, I'll just say this, it really may have been a good thing that the disciples were gone. Now they shouldn't, now they weren't doing, I mean, we'll get to it here in a minute, but they're, they're focused on, on temporal things. They're out trying to buy food. But you can read through the Gospels and it seems like the majority of the time, until after Pentecost, the majority of the time during Christ's earthly ministry, the disciples are actually hindering people from coming to Jesus as opposed to helping them to come to Jesus. I mean, and you really get to looking into that and, and you think about uh, that Syrophoenician woman and they're saying, Lord, send her away. And the children are coming to Jesus and they're rebuking the children. And the time just goes on and on in crisis. I mean, continually just having to set them straight about their and, and it may just be that, that the only reason this Samaritan woman was able to even talk with God's disciples weren't there. But they're, they're gone now. Listen, they're gone. And they're, they're gone to the city. And they're there to buy meat. And the Bible said in verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God... And who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob that gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You can go ahead and be seated this morning. Verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. You know the remainder of this text. The Lord Jesus tells her to go call her husband. And she says, Sir, I have no husband. And Christ looked at her and he said, In that thou saidest truly, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou hast is not thy husband. In that thou sayest truly you know that woman she looked at Christ and she started getting nervous and she said sir she said I perceive that thou art a prophet <laughs> and, uh, and she said our, our fathers worshipped in this mountain and you say in Jerusalem is the place for men ought to worship and Christ uh, uh, begins to speak to her and, and uh, she said I know that Messiah cometh and, uh, which is called Christ and, and when he has come He'll tell us all things. And Christ looked at her and he said, I that speak unto thee am he. Ma'am, you are talking to the Messiah. And oh my. And so the woman, she leaves her water pot there at the well. And somewhere in between the question of, Sir, give me a drink of that water. 
And Christ exposing her sin about her ungodly lifestyle. Somewhere in between those couple of verses, this Samaritan woman gets saved. Amen. And she leaves that water pot at the well. And just, I mean, representation of that empty life, that broken life, that ruined life of sin. And she leaves that empty vessel at the well. And she's not worried about it anymore. She's not trying to fill it. But she's found the water of life. Amen. Never to thirst again. And, and she's going back to the city to go call a man. Call the man to come see a man. Oh, that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And so can you see her in your mind's eye this morning? Oh, here's the disciples coming back. And, and the best I can tell, uh, the disciples have been at this city of the Samaritans buying food. They've been there trying to, uh, trying to get some provisions together. They've been there trying to buy meat and trying to uh, maybe prepare lunch, not only for themselves, but they're trying to prepare uh, some food for the Lord and, and Here's the disciples coming back. Can you see them? I mean, they're loaded down. They've been on a big old shopping trip. And man, they got them bags or whatever they bought. And, and they're coming through. And, and, and as they're heading back to this well, here's a woman and she's finishing a conversation with Christ. And the disciples are confused. And, and they're looking at her and they're wondering that Jesus is even talking with her. And they're probably maybe in their hearts saying, man, we shouldn't have left Jesus here. We could have run her off. I mean, we could, Christ is needing some rest. And we could have got her out of the Lord's way if we would have just stayed around here and they're walking up and here she is and she's leaving everything she has and she's passing them on the way back to the city they just came from and, and they don't understand why she's so happy they don't understand why she's so joyous oh, but here they are and they're coming back and she's leaving heading back to that city and here we are, we're skipping several verses and verse 28 we know she left her water pot and she told him come see a man that show me all things that ever I did in verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him out to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This morning there are some things that are a whole lot more important than eating. We all got to eat at some point. Christ is trying to help the disciples to realize, hey, fellas, I'm glad you all got this great supper prepared. I'm glad you got this great potluck dinner up here. And I mean, I'm, I mean, I appreciate you all going and doing that, but there's, there's something right now that's a little bit more important yeah. than feasting. Yeah. He looked at the disciples, and in the meanwhile, so we, there's been a little bit of time here. Whenever they went and bought in that city, they've done prepared it. And there's a process of time. And as the disciples are trying to get the Lord Jesus to eat, this woman's already gone back to this town. Boy, you talk about a lady full of a reputation of sin. You talk, I mean, she was known ever. I mean, they, they, knew, they knew she had lived a horrible lifestyle of ungodliness and adultery and fornication. And, 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 but she was different today when she walked back into the city. And she's telling everyone. I mean, God told her to go back and, and tell her husband. And she had a whole bunch of them and a whole bunch. She said, I'm just going to go tell everyone. And the Bible says she told the man, come see a man. And so she's done gathered a whole group of people. 
Now here's the disciples. They haven't lifted their eye one time. They're all concerned about this, this meal they're preparing. And now the Samaritans are making their way out of the city and they're coming to Jesus. And Christ looks at the disciples and he said, Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. Fellas, there's some things that are a whole lot more important than the temporal provisions that you've invested your afternoon in. Now listen, when Christ commissioned the disciples, He sent them two by two to go into all the villages whether He Himself would go. I mean, that, that was their commission to go ahead and go before the Lord and he had ordained those 70 other, and they were, they were supposed to be going out and preparing, kind of doing that, that work that John the Baptist was doing and preparing the way and letting folks know, hey, listen, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is he could be coming to your town. You better go and meet him. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He may never pass by this way again. Dear friend, you better, you better come while you still have time. But here are the disciples, and they go into this village And there's no record anywhere in this chapter that they told anybody about the Lord Jesus being at that well. They're walking through the shambles. They're walking through uh, the uh, the outdoor markets. And they're they're walking through, uh, dear friend, the places of business. And they're all consumed about taking care and fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And they're all consumed about getting this meal prepared. They're all consumed about getting all this. And it's nothing wrong with eating. Nothing wrong with trying to provide food for the Lord. Brother Chris mentioned it yesterday. They were doing a good thing. They're bringing food back for the Lord and all of that. But they didn't do what they were called to do. Didn't tell anybody. And I mean, these fellas, I mean, you know, they're getting pretty close to finishing that Bible college degree. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Maybe getting close to that three and a half year mark, you know. And they, I mean, they had had the greatest teacher they could ever have. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, we need learning. I need more learning. I need more study. Oh, friend, I'm not, I'm not diminishing that, but they had a whole bunch of that. And they've seen the miracles and they've had the greatest teacher. And yet they walk through a city and don't tell anybody. You think if they were, if they even had half the mind that Christ wanted them to have, they would have walked through there as they're getting their food and said, Sir, I know I'm buying a bunch of these freshly baked loaves of bread, but I want to tell you, the Son of God is sitting at the well. We could have gone around Samaria. We could have taken a bypass. We could have gotten out of coming through here. I don't even want to be here. I don't know why Jesus wanted to be here, but he said he needed to be here. He said he must needs go through Samaria. And listen, I know there's a lot of animosity between us Jews and you Samaritans, but Jesus is here. And if I knew anything, I'd say you better go out there to the well. And he may never come by again. This may be your only opportunity to see the Son of God. But they didn't say a word. didn't say a word. And God takes the Samaritan woman, been saved for maybe 15 minutes, And she goes and does what 12 Bible college students couldn't or wouldn't do. (laughs) Listen, she don't know anything. (laughs) She really don't. But she's met a man named Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. She's found the water of life. And she probably didn't have all of the terminology right. (laughs) Amen. 
But all she did was say, come see a man. It told me all things that ever I did. And she was tore up enough about it. The whole city said, you know what? We better go out there and find out what this crazy woman is talking about. Oh, my. Can you see the Lord Jesus? Here they are. They're still over here preparing that food. And Christ told him, he said, Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. I tell you, God burned this passage of Scripture into my heart a couple months ago. Amen. Say not ye there yet four months. Oh my, say not ye there yet four months. I can, I can hear Brother Stenet Blue saying it, preaching in those missions meetings out of this chapter. And he would say, if you want a country person's definition of what Jesus was saying, he said, don't you dare say. There's four months. Say not ye. There are yet four months. And then cometh harvest. Behold I say unto you lift up your eyes. Quit looking at all this material provisions. Quit looking at all of these things that have you distracted from what your real purpose is. Lift up your eyes. And look on the fields. Friend I'm telling you. We have a Bible command. To not look at evangelism. And say, well, we got a couple more months. You want to know the greatest hindrance? I believe with all my heart. The greatest hindrance to the gospel being propagated and being, being spread abroad and being preached. And the, I believe the greatest hindrance to the gospel. It's not closed countries. It's not communist dictatorships. It's not liberal folks in the local and state and uh, national governments. The greatest hindrance to the gospel this morning is procrastination. By born again Christians. I'm preaching to Samuel Freed this morning. Greatest hindrance to the gospel in our day. Greatest hindrance to the gospel in our country is procrastination among Bible believing Christians. And here's the disciples, and listen, apparently they may have walked through that city and said, you know what? We're buying food today. I'm sure we'll come back through here at some point. I mean, you know, there'll be a more convenient time to come over here and hold an evangelistic outreach. And Christ said, say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. And you won't know the reality of it is, you may have four months, but they may not. Driving through them fields, rural Indiana, and it's this way a lot of parts out in the upper Midwest, you go even farther past there. You'll drive past thousands upon thousands of acres of corn and different crops growing. Every once in a while, you come through a field and it's just all bent over, dried, withered up, good for nothing. And, and the reason it's that way is because somebody, whoever owned that field or harvested it, they missed the harvest time. And dear friend, that field is good for nothing. It's dead. It's gone. They missed the harvest. And there's only, there is only a time short period when the harvest can be reaped. And God deals, not only does God deal in absolutes, but He deals in the present. He deals in the present. And today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And it's good. We need to plan. We need to have, we need to ask God to give us, like the preacher just preached, a vision. And we need to, we need to have a plan. And we need to have, dear friend, a purpose. But God help us to put it in the shoe leather today and not wait. And, and, and God is getting ready, to, God's getting ready to show them how to be able to do that. But he told them right here. 
He said, don't you dare say, say not ye. There are yet four months and then come harvest. You know, we all got loved ones in our family that need the gospel. I mean, they need the gospel. And the easiest thing to do is to say, well, Lord, four months at the family reunion, I'll tell them about you. You can drive down the streets of Rossville and Fort O and all these areas, and you can look around and say, oh, God, they need you. Maybe four months from now, we'll get back to door knocking. Maybe four months from now. Listen, there's a whole, bu- there's a whole bunch of door hanger bags over there. There's a whole bunch of gospel tracks over there. Listen, we don't have to wait four months. Harvest time's now. Easiest thing to do is say, Lord, maybe four months from now, whenever I get a raise down at the job place, I'll make a greater commission given. I'll make a better commitment, Lord, in four months. I'll give more to the mission. I'll give more to the work of God in a couple months. Friend, it's so easy, to, it's so easy for me to procrastinate. It's, that's the easiest thing to do. Say, Lord, you're right. The world needs the gospel. Sinners are going to hell. And in four months, I'll do something about it. Yeah. And Jesus said, say not ye there yet four months. And then cometh harvest. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. For they are wide already at harvest. Brother Goolsby, God helped them just to preach a powerful message. And that's the, that's the key. That's the key. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Christ said, fellas, if you get your eyes off of this meal you're preparing, lift up your eyes, look at it. Here comes the whole village of the Samaritans. They're all here. Would you dare waste this opportunity for a meager meal? Would you dare? And listen, I mean, we, they were concerned about a meal, but there was a whole bunch of things here in our country that has our attention above the Great Commission. And it's, it, it's amazing to me how, how easy it's for myself to be distracted, to leave a meeting like this, get stirred up for God, and in a few short weeks, and be completely cold and unaware of what God put into my heart in this kind of preaching. If we'll lift up our eyes, it'll make all the difference in the world this morning. When's the last time we looked at Chattanooga Valley? And if you take Hamilton County and take Walker County and put these surrounding counties together, a little over half a million people live within 30 minutes' drive of us. Lift up our eyes. When's the last time we parked across the street from a liquor store and said, God, I'm going to sit out here and watch these folks leave. God, I want to lift up my eyes. I want to have a burden. It's so easy to turn our eyes. It's so easy to put them blinds on. Say, God, that's the bad side of town. You think with all the churches, and boy, we got a bunch of them. Put this in perspective, we got about half a million people around here. Preachers already mentioned that there's more independent Baptist churches. You can find 300 independent Baptist churches in a 30-minute drive from where we're at right here. And yet there's so many lost folks. We don't need another church. We need our churches to do something. Put that in perspective. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Think about that. 300 churches around here. Half a million people. Think about close to 18 million Jewish people in the world today. Me and Brother Sasser were talking earlier this month. There's a pastor across town has a vision to take on 20 Jewish missionaries. I've never met someone that had that vision, preacher. Me and Brother Sasser were talking. We said, I don't know that we can find 20 Jewish missionaries. 300 churches here for half a million. There's 18 million Jews. We can't even find 20 missionaries. 
North Korea, 25 million people. Almost a billion and a half in China. How many missionaries do you know going there? Lift up our eyes here. Oh, but dear friend, it's easy to procrastinate when we're not looking at the fields. God help us to have a vision this morning. We ain't going to have one until we lift up our eyes. We're not going to have a vision until God gives us one. But we've got to ask Him for it. We've got to humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, I want to be able to see sinners perishing. I want to see their soul. I want to have a burden. This morning, if God's dealt with your heart, listen, friend, God is the only one who can give you that vision. Preacher said, let's stand. God's dealt with your heart this morning. Say not there's four months. We don't have, we don't have time. And you may have it, but they don't have it. The harvest one day will be passed. The summer ended. And if we don't tell them, they won't be saved. What a sad reality it will be if we miss the harvest.